Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Like, we've always made fun of the opening. Like, people are like, shitty. And there's just no way anyone's doing good at this point. <laughs> like, I'm great. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, you. hopefully you've made the, uh, the, the right choice for your, uh, for your brain, for your mental stability to just not care about the rest of this season because, God knows a bunch of the players have made that choice. Actually, I tweeted the other day, I think I like this team more than I've liked the team in like 18 months because they're just lovable losers now. They cannot win no matter what they do. They cannot win. And they're trying. They just stink. All right, uh, we'll talk about all this and more. Let's get right into it. Let's lead things off with the fly by yourself, Kelly Hinkle. Yeah, I'm kicking around the idea of having fun with the rest yeah, of the season. I think it, I like, think it might be a good time. There's like, no reason they can't win. Right. They're going to finish bottom five no matter Perfect. what. And, like, yes. there's a little jumble there. It could be six. But I really think, like, after the trade deadline, they play 20 games after the trade deadline. That could be a 20-game losing streak. I, like, I, like, how can you watch <clears throat> Gerald and Patrick Brown and not just, like, oh, look at these guys out there living their dream, working their asses off, scoring some fun goals, having a good time. Like, what's not to like? I just think there's, exactly. an ele- there's an element of, like, when they inevitably blow another game, which seems to be happening every... Like, you just kind of... You just you kind of laugh. Well, I said inevitably. But, like, you just kind of laugh. Tomorrow? Because... No, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm more yeah. talking about, like, in retrospect. Like, I'm saying, like, when you watch it happen. Because, like, you know it's coming. You know, like, even if they're winning by two goals, you know that, like, they're probably going to find a way to screw it up. And when they do, like, what can, like, what can you do? You just kind of have to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah like, yeah, that is not shocking in the slightest. Like, yeah, of course, of course, last night they tie the game. And then, of course, they score, they give up a goal on the next ship. Like, of course that was going to happen. And the thing is, it it, everyone saw it coming 30 seconds before it happened. The minute that the Blues got into the offensive zone and started cycling, you're like, they're going to score here. They're going to score here. They're absolutely going to score here. And then, then of course, they score. It was really perfect that Braden Shen scores the first goal and then uh, should have been a flyer. Vladimir Tarasenko, 30 <laughs> seconds after Lindblom's goal, puts them ahead again. I'm begging for them to lose in regulation when they lose, so I thought it was great. But, like, my, it's, do they do this every single game? Like, score a goal and give one up immediately? I need. I've I'm never seen ask, anything like this. There has to be an easy way to look that up, right? Is there an easy way to look that up, Charlie? No, there's not. You have to go. God damn it! You have to go. Yeah, back you have to go and, through like, the box. Painstakingly scores. go yeah. through every box score. Yes, unless you're like really good at coding, and then you can just like basically scrape it, which I'm not. So I don't even know what that. Maybe means. Maybe I'll ask Micah. I just would kind of like to know how often 
they give up like, a goal like within one minute after scoring a goal. Yeah, like if we expanded it to like two and a half minutes, would it be every single game this season? I <laughs> like I, I guess it would be amazing. I, they're so bad. Uh let's we we got a lot to talk about. Uh from the athletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So, Bill, you actually brought up kind of what I was going to do as mine, um, but I'll go into it deeper. Um, real, real, uh, you know, vibes of like what could have been when Vladimir Tarasenko scored that goal because he was very much available this offseason. And the Blues are probably real happy that they didn't trade him, that no one was willing to meet their costs because Blues are real good and Vladimir Tarasenko is back to being a point per game guy. And my understand look like i mean i don't think his the price tag on him was as low as it seemed but it wasn't super high i mean he wanted gone and the thing was was that teams were terrified about the injury and the cap hit and all that stuff and plus he had the no the, the you know he had some no trade protection but he apparently was willing to wave it to go to the flyers so you know, it, it was it was like, look, I've always been a Vladimir Tarasenko fan. I really enjoy his game. So I was rooting for them to get him because I just wanted to watch him play hockey up close for a season. Um, but also because I felt like it made sense. You know, you're, you know, one of the, your weaknesses is high, lack of high end talent and you have the opportunity to get a high end talent guy. Obviously, it's a risk, but you have an opportunity to get a high end talent guy at a bargain rate price because of other concerns. Maybe that's a risk worth taking. They obviously decided it wasn't. Um, that said, you know, one thing that did in a weird sort of way make me feel a little bit better after a while. Like, first I was, like, real frustrated when Tarasenko scored that goal because it's like they could have had this guy and they were just like, nah, nah, we're good. Let's trade for Rasmus Ristolainen instead. Uh, but um, because, yeah, got to have that size and physicality on the back end. That's the problem with this team, not the fact that they have no superstars beyond the guy who they're going to trade or no stars beyond the guy they're going to trade in a month. Um, but... The one thing that did make me feel a little bit better about this whole, um, you know, we're not bottoming out, but we need high-end talent thing, watching that Tarasenko goal, is that, like, those guys are available more often than maybe we believe. Like, Yeah, it's not the NBA, but it still does happen. Like, it's not, I mean, there were two guys that were available to clear stars that were available last offseason in Vladimir Tarasenko and Jack Eichel. Now, the Flyers made the decision not to pay to get either of them. But, like, they could have. I mean, it may have been a lot, but at the same time, a lot of what what was thought of to be a lot, you know, last summer doesn't seem like a lot right now because it's like, well, oh, man, I don't want to trade Ivan Provorov and Travis Konechny both for, for Jack Eichel. Well, like, shit. I mean, now, that doesn't seem like a lot at all, does it? How long until uh, Mike Yo like benches Vladimir Tarasenko for three games for not being defensively responsible enough? Are we really going to get into th- this? Is, oh, I'm doing it. This is a Twitter thing that is like there's truth to it, but it's also very much echo chambering into being a way bigger thing than it actually First is. First of all, I have been saying it on this very show for like a month and a half. They haven't benched anyone. They can't bench anyone not because benching. they have no players. I'm not benching. More of the beating out offensive talent out of their players in favor of boring two-way two goals. Their players aren't that good. 
That is, I, the, that is the problem. Like, the, the, here's the thing with that whole thing, and I, I talked about this on um, in my comment section this morning. I was going to tweet about it, but I couldn't find a way to get into it. So you know what? I'm just going to go on this rant now. I think a lot of what fans believe is a problem with prospect development is actually a problem with draft velocity. Because what happens is the Flyers draft guys. Fans build themselves up thinking that they're really, really, really good. When in reality, they're just good prospects. They're not great prospects. And then they get mad when the organization is like, well, these guys got to be better two-way guys to become NHL players. Here's the thing. They're not good enough to not be. Like, if the Flyers haven't drafted anyone, anyone really, that is such a high-end offensive talent in terms of plausible upside that they can just ignore defense. There are some guys that can. There are some players that are that good. The Flyers don't draft them because they don't think that's, they think it's too risky. But, like, even somebody like Morgan Frost, he's a good prospect. Sorry. He's not good enough to just focus on offense. He needs to have a two-way element to his game because he's not that good. And, okay. And part of the problem, I think, is that fans convince themselves that the offensive guys, the guys who score a lot of points at juniors, are so talented they don't need to focus on defense when, in reality, they're not as talented as, as the fans think they are. So then when the, when the organization is like, you know, Morgan Frost maybe should, like, have to play a little defense because if not, he's going to have a Corsi 4 of, like, 40% his entire career and just suck, and he's not talented enough to score 100 points a season. Fans get mad, whereas in reality, he just isn't as good as they thought he was in the first place. End rant. I agree. I'm suggesting that Morgan Frost is Jack Eichel. I'm just suggesting that if you do draft a player with an upside that's not as high as you may have hoped, wouldn't it be beneficial to foster the parts of his game that are good rather than having him completely abandon those in favor of another way. But how good, like, how good is he? Like if what, if Morgan, sure he- if Morgan Frost, if let's say you told Morgan Frost, defense doesn't matter, go score points, kid, that's it. And then he's a 50 point scorer doing that who gets obliterated from a puck possession and play driving standpoint because he doesn't give a shit about defense, then he's a negative five goals above replacement player and he sucks. Is there nothing between I don't give a single shit about defense and focusing on my defensive game in favor of, or to the detriment of my offense? I think that's what they're trying to do. Now, they might be failing, but I think that's the attempt. I agree with the idea you ha- uh, with both of your ideas here. What I'm like, why do it in the order they're doing it in? Like Sean Couturier could not produce offensively a tiny little bit early in his career, so they said focus on defense, do this thing. You're the three C, and then they let the def- and then they let the offense come. Why isn't it okay, Morgan Frost, for you to reach your for you to reach your potential? You are going to need to produce points at the NHL level, whether it be 50, 75, 130, whatever the fuck his ceiling could be in terms of raw points production. Why don't you focus on producing points? Figure that part in the NHL out, because it's really hard to do, as we see with all these players that we've drafted who can barely even play in this league. Focus on this one thing, creating offense. 
and then we will bring along the other aspects of your game. When it's in reverse, they do it all the time. Oh, yeah, well, he can play defense. We'll figure out the offense later. But, like, you can't win 0-0. You will never win that way. And this team especially can't because it'll go to a shootout, which they will lose. So, like... Well, part of the thing, part of the thing with that is that it is easier to score when you have the puck more. And if you're better at defense, you're going to have the puck more. Whereas if you aren't good at defense, you're going to spend most of your shifts chasing the puck around in the defensive zone, which is going to give you fewer opportunities to score anyway. Also, like, So this give isn't... him some line mates... I agree with that. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. But I also, look, I'm I'm not saying that Morgan Frost is being developed well right now. I think the best move for the Flyers would be to, and and I really like Scott Lawton, but stick Morgan Frost with two scoring wingers. Like, let's let's stop this, like, Jerry Mayhew. I mean, and look, Jerry's been great. That's it has been a fun thing. But, like, give him Travis Konechny. You know, give him Cam Cam Atkinson. Like, just give him guys who actually are established NHLers and see what he can do with them. That said... I definitely think there is an element to this of fans are mad that prospects haven't panned out and they want to believe that it's not the prospect's fault, it's the development fault, when in reality, I think it's more the prospect's fault. Oh, so here, absolutely, no, the, they don't have the talent. Like, Okay, sure. yes, they have not drafted any high-end talent, as Charlie said, because they don't want to take any risk because they're and, boring. And that's hockey. that, to me, is the big problem. Like, that is go, the big like, problem. Go I for bigger disagree. swings. I don't disagree with that at all. But Morgan Frost is not the first player they've tried to square peg into a round hole. Like, it seems to be, like, what they do. Like so they, who, so who, who else are you referring to? Because the, the two, two guys who they did they that did to, it to and, and it actually worked, were Couturier and Lawton. Like, that, that actually, I mean, you could argue that, that Couturier maybe took longer, but, like, it, ultimately, that development both of did them. work for both. Both Couturier of them took too long. When he had NHL wingers, like Couturier started to be a better offensive player when he had players playing yeah. with him that can score yes, goals. But like, I'm just like, saying, ultimately, he became a Selkie winner. So, like, one could, and, you know, one could argue, I'm not saying I but, necessarily would argue, but, but one could argue that he wouldn't have reached that ceiling had they not developed in the way. Okay, that. fine. But so that was his him, thing. Not, yeah, that's that his was, game. That was that's his, his thing when he came into the league. Yes, like, like you, that was his strength, and you fostered his strength, and then the offense came along with it. Why can't we do it the other way, like Bill said? Foster the offense and let the defense come yeah, along with okay, it. So, so, but, but then, but then, my question is: Okay, so who are you talking about? Who who have they done? Who have they done wrong with that? Well, I mean, Frost is the easy example because he's in the NHL right now. I think that they did it to Ghost. I think that Ghost didn't succeed here because they didn't let him play his game. Well, Ghost was developed to be Ghost. I mean, and now now we're talking about an NHL. De- this isn't even NHL development. This is an NHL. No, this is like an organizational thing. philosophy. It's not just development. It's an organizational philosophy that we would rather have safe two-way players that don't generate a lot of offense and aren't exciting to watch than guys who take a lot of chances offensively and because they're taking a lot of risky chances, sometimes fuck up defensively. We would rather have a little safe two-way guy that fits precisely into our Flyers hockey box rather than a guy like, I don't know, Cole Caulfield, who's just go, go, go on offense. Who also was sent down this year by the Montreal Canadiens. And, and, and that organization he, and, is a shithole. I'm right, just and, saying. And now that his coach is letting him play his game, what has happened yeah, to him? He scores he every night now. Because that's what he does well. 
So like, why not? I'm just saying like, it doesn't seem like organizationally the flyers for the past, as long as I can remember, like, I also don't think this is a new problem. It's just something that's clicking in my head recently because everything is a tire fire. They don't want to take a player and say, this is what this player is. This is what he's good at. This is what he's bad at. Let's take the good things and make them better. They say, this is the box we have empty right now. How do we fit this player into this box? Oh, he doesn't really fit because he's not defensive or whatever. Like, this is the box. If he doesn't fit into the box, we have to force him into the box rather than focusing on what he's good at and letting him shine in the end. Like, it's just, it's too much. I feel like we've been talking about this for years, the whole roles thing. Like, they're obsessed with roles. And I think to Charlie's question for examples, like, Morgan Frost is a guy who's good enough to at least have ascended to this level, so we see it. But there's no way. And yeah, the drafting and talent evaluation is an issue. There's no way they have this many misses. Like, we don't exactly. know the examples because these guys never get here. But they, they were, get but they here were for never, a game. They, they never projected, even the guys. Like, for, okay, another thing, too, when you, when you say, like, they're, how they can't have this many misses. One of the reasons why they, they, it feels like they have so many misses right now, truthfully, and this, again, like, it's going to come off as the excuse thing. A lot of their prospects have gotten hurt. And, they like, have. that is playing like, Wade into... Wade Allison, Cam York, Tyson Forster, like, these guys are, are all hurt right now. Yeah, like, there are I don't a know lot if York's actually hurt who, like, or what the Yeah, fuck like, they doing. might not be misses. I mean, Wade Allison was looking like a hit. He's been hurt. Terry Lezinski was looking like a possible hit. He's been hurt. Zade Wisdom, hurt. Tyson Forster, hurt. A lot of, like, the prospect pool would seem better if every prospect wasn't injured, it seems. I mean, That's... I... I... I want to. Th- Sorry, go ahead, Bill. No, like I wanted to get into this. Like, what the fuck is going on with? I, I like I wanted to bring it up with Derek Broussard because he's a great example of what what are we doing here? But like, how is the entire organization injured? It's just how weird. is this possible? I, it, it's it's the worst. It's another thing where it's like, I don't. I feel that you can explain a lot of hockey away by luck. Like that's a thing for sure. But when it's like this, it just seems like there has to be a problem somewhere. Like, peak physical condition professional athletes do not get hurt this much. Sometimes they do. All together in one (laughs) season. And on on one team. Top to bottom. Fucking guys hurt everywhere. Yeah. It's weird. It's it's the eat Arby season. The Eagles won a Super Bowl with this many guys hurt. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It just seems, it uh, seems no, foolish to me to pretend that there's no organizational problem. Like, it, no, I they think just it's... Didn't pay, well, first of all, the not taking good enough prospects, like... That is an organizational problem. And, and, it, like, yeah, reinforces that is, my argument that they have a fucking obsession with safe, two-way, boring players. They do. They do. But I guess my thing is that I think it's more on the drafting than the developing. Because like Because the, guy, the guys who they take, like like German Rubsoff, German Rubsoff was never an, a super offensively gifted guy. He never no. was. But Morgan Frost was in juniors. Well, I mean, I not when he got and drafted. I, I don't he expect Yeah, the big draft was one year. I don't expect that a guy is going to continue his junior production in the NHL. That's silly. But, like, if that's his game, if offensive production is what he does well, like, isn't your job as a development team to make him that in the NHL? 
at least try to make him that in the, in the NHL. And I don't think that they ever have. I seriously yeah, I cannot I think they've, wait. They've given him opportunities. Like when they call when they called him up the first time, he was with Giroux. He was on the power play. I think this year, this year they they've they've messed it up because I think what it is is that they're trying to win games because Mike Yo is trying. I mean, I don't know. Mike Yo probably knows he's not going to be the, the coach, but I think there was a period of time no. where Mike Yo was trying to like. Yeah. make a case for him to be the, the full-time coach. So he was more focused on winning games than he was about development. And also, like, they just kept friggin' losing. So it was like, well, shit, I got, we got to win a game. Like, we just got to win one game. It's, it's literally, he's like the coach from <laughs> uh, from the Waterboy saying to Bobby Boucher, I just have to win one game. I think that's kind of where Mike Yo was at the time. Well, he's won two, so good he's for him. He's won a couple. He's uh, won a yeah, couple. He's, he's got uh, the Flyers as a, as a team have I believe seven wins since November eighteenth. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> a track. They've got they've got two wins in twenty twenty two, which was a great number for yesterday. Really. I just think my my overarching point here is that I think where the Flyers really have to look into a mirror is their approach to the draft more yeah. so than think that like the development process is taking guys who otherwise would be seventy point guys and turning them into busts. Like, I, I, I think they should be taking bigger swings at the draft rather than, right. like, German Rubsoff would have been a star if they didn't fuck him up. No, but the it's not just at the draft, though. Like, they need to stop trying to put together an elite 2004 hockey team. Fair. Like, stop doing that because that's what they have seemed to be doing for the last 20 years. And it's not how teams win now. Like, look at the ones that are winning and do that. Stop pretending that you can flyers hockey your way into success in 2022 because it, it's not happening. Clearly. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to uh, Elliot Desnoyers needing time in the AHL to learn how to block shots. Exactly. That's, yes. Exactly. Well, he's actually a guy who he he's already blocking shots. He was a defense guy first, and now the offense is popping. Yeah, the offense has come around. Which yeah. we'll see how this goes when he gets here. That'll be a lot of fun. Um. What, where are we here in terms of time? Twenty. All right, so I'll ask this question, then we'll take our break. The Flyers, while they haven't won, like, this decade, um, visually, they've been better. <laughs> what Statistically, they've been better, too. Well, last yeah, night, like, not so much. But no, yeah, last night, they've this, been better. second end of back-to-backs against, like, yeah, a much better team. Like, yeah, whatever. Uh, but overall, the last two weeks or so, let's call it, they've been, like, somewhat better just to watch i'm not watching their games and going like this is torture like you know they suck still but yeah, it's, still they bad. suck different what does it mean like i'm just chalking it up to like this group of guys has been together a little bit now and they have some chemistry like is it just that explainable so i think what it means truthfully is that and and it this sort of dawned on me i think during the monday game um, yeah, the Monday game, because it was Monday, Tuesday, is that this team again looks like, for the first time really this season, they're playing like they actually believe in the system they're playing. Um, you know, they clearly had lost faith in what Vino was preaching, and then you change coaches midstream, it's going to take a while for Yo to be able to implement everything he wants to implement. I think Yo is at the point now where he's pretty much implemented everything he wants to implement. They've done a ton of practices, they've gone through a ton of tape study, and I think the players have actually bought in to you know, the tactics and the overarching philosophy that Mike Yo is preaching. The problem is now is they're just not good enough. 
Like they're good they're good enough to play structured hockey most of the time and because of that they can control play way more than they were in the beginning of the year when they were actually a deeper better team on paper. But now they're just not good enough on paper to actually win games especially when they're playing against top tier teams every single night like they have been during this stretch. That's what I think is going on. And the thing that the thing that's frustrating about that truthfully is that look and and this is my opinion. My opinion is the biggest mistake that Chuck Fletcher made in retrospect that last summer was not moving on from Elaine Vino. And it's not because I think Elaine Vino is a bad coach. It's because he clearly underestimated the degree to which that situation had devolved in terms of the coach versus the players. And if you would have let Vino go and started out with a new coach, they might be playing with this. They might have started out the season playing like this, but more talented. And actually, the season might not have been a total wash. Maybe. The injuries probably still happen, but maybe it doesn't descend into madness the way it did. Yeah. Like, yeah. we're on a six-game losing streak and is the third longest losing streak of the season. Well, right then it's, And then there's also, like, butterfly effect, too. I mean, yeah. you know, if you, if you do a new coach, maybe Ryan Ellis never gets hurt because he doesn't do this specific drill in practice that, that started the injury road. Like, who the hell knows? Yeah. We don't know. I mean, Ryan Ellis gets hurt a lot, so, like, he Does probably he, Are we doing this again? No, I mean, like... Uh, it's. He, I mean, this is a does. new injury. Like you know, right. I don't think there was any reason to expect he was going to miss the whole year. Um, there was reason he, to expect maybe he was going to miss like twenty games because that's yeah, what he, he tends to do. Twenty but, twenty games every. But year. but like this, there's there was no reason now to look at his his. There was no reason to look at his track record to say he's going to miss seventy eight games. Like that's an obje- that's an objective fact. Aside from just like it's the Flyers and literally everything goes wrong for them. No, I'm just, like, a player who gets hurt is going to get hurt. How badly, we'll see. He was going to miss time. Sure. Wasn't going to miss necessarily miss the whole year. Yeah. I mean, it happens, so you can, it's easy to be like, well, it was destined to happen, but, like, it wasn't. I mean, there's only one thing, there's only one truth. He got hurt. Yeah. <laughs> he's been, he was hurt the two years prior and the three years before that. So, like, I, you know, he's played 182-game season in his career. He was going to get hurt. Uh, we're going to do, we're going to pause for a break and then do some individual player assessments because I'm starting to come around on some guys and turn on some others. I want to get everyone's, uh, want to get everyone's opinion on some of these guys. So we'll be right back with that, uh, after this quick break here. All right, fam, we are back. And I, like I said, I want to do some individual player assessments because there are some guys who are starting to come around and maybe, you know, the argument, oh, too little, too late, like tree falls in the woods, who give a sh- gives a shit what they're doing at this point in the season. And honestly, valid criticism. If some of these guys had played this way early in the season, we may not be here in a lost season. But the thing is, we're watching this team now, we're seeing them, and they're not going to have 20 new guys next year. Some players are going to stay. I would like for the ones who do stay to be successful. Let's see if anyone thinks they can carry some of this success over. I'm going to start it out with, uh, I don't know, probably the most, is he the most, like, polarizing player, Travis Konechny? Um I don't know. I think every single player at this point is polarizing. That's the fair. people that hate Travis Konechny are stupid. No, well, I, I mean, the people that really hate Travis Konechny are stupid. The people who are frustrated with Travis Konechny I don't think are stupid. 
frustrated with the entire team equally. Yeah, but like but Kinect like, has think... been he 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 provided you know a baseline of what people hoped he would become, and now has performed significantly under that for two consecutive Fair. seasons. So like I get the frustration. I think it's like I don't hate Travis Konechny, but it might be better if they trade him. Like I don't know if he stays, he stays. If he goes, I don't care about Travis. They might Konechny. be able to get something pretty yeah. good for him. No, that's if he continues this, maybe he, maybe they can turn him into something else. But Travis Konechny right now, he's on a uh, I think seven or eight game point streak. He's just looking more like himself. He still seems apprehensive to shoot. The goal scoring is uh, snake-bitten. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's not there. But the playmaking and the general level of play uh, is starting to get back to what we expect from Travis Konechny. What do you think about TK uh, over the last couple of weeks? Um, I think he's... I think he is what he is at this point. You know, and obviously he's going to go through slumps, and the slumps maybe for him are worse than they might be for other players because he does, as you mentioned, Bill, a few weeks ago, he does get into his head, it seems like, and probably, you know, makes it worse than it would be if, you know, he was a little bit less up and down from an emotional standpoint. Um, But I think he is what he is. He's a second-line winger. He's a second-line winger. You know, I, I don't think he's, I don't think his contract is bad. I don't think it's good. It's probably about what a second-line winger has. You know, five mil a year, that's about second-line winger money. He's a second-line winger. You know, if you can get someone to give you a piece that, you know, either fits the lineup better or they think he's a first-line winger just in a bad situation, then sure, you know, you, you consider moving. He's certainly not untouchable. But, you know, if if everyone around the league values him as a second-line winger and you value him as a second-line winger, then maybe you're better served just keeping him because, I mean, he's in his prime. I don't, you know, I'm I'm ambivalent to the idea of trading Travis Konechny because I just don't know, like, aside from just trading him because we have to get new toys, I don't necessarily see the point unless he's, you're trading him in a bigger package for a high-end That's, guy. And in that case, are, I would absolutely support it. There are two scenarios. Like, I don't think you can sell him for anything use like... Oh, we're just gonna get picks. Like those picks are gonna yeah, be yeah, that that's stupid. Yeah. Like yeah. you get another team's Travis Konechny, and maybe it's a defenseman. Hey, they need some of those. They yeah. only have like one NHL defenseman, um, or he's part of a package. Like that's the if you're gonna get something better than TK, it ain't gonna be just TK going. That's that's the only way to do it. Um, that's that's really it with Konechny. Is there anybody that you would give a shit about trading at this point? If the return was good, like there's literally no one. I mean, on heart, right heart would be would be tough. Heart would be tough, but like, imagine what you could get. Yeah, we're, we got. I don't know what you could get. We're fine, man. Well, based on based on Corey Corey Promen did an article a couple weeks ago, and he hates goalies. Yeah, I know, but like the art the article was about. Well, yeah, he particularly has always not been a huge Carter Hart guy, yeah. but he was talking to like AGMs, I think. Um, you know, he said scouts and they were like, yeah, like Hart's still valuable, but he's not as valuable as he was two years ago around the league. So I don't think they could get mm. like the kind of haul that fly, like the idea of like, well, we'll trade Carter Hart if we can get an absolute haul. Like, I don't know if that haul is still out there. I think he's sure. now viewed as a good young goalie, but he's not viewed after, like he was after the 2020 playoff bubble where it was like, holy shit, this guy might be the next Harry Price. I don't think he's yeah. viewed like that around the league anymore. Yeah, like, and, you know, age effect. No one's saying he can't turn into what we thought he was. It's just kind of like, at his age right now, he's a, an average to slightly above average goalie. He's good. 
Yeah. But he's not stealing you anything. If he was, the Flyers would have more than no wins ever. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. and, and, like, yeah. I'm not putting this on Carter Hart. The team is fucking horrible. But, like, you know, elite goalies steal games. He's not that yet. Yes, that's, that's um, completely fair. Yeah, in terms of guys, yeah, Hart, I wouldn't want to lose. But, you know, who gives a shit? Uh, eat RP's season, like Charlie said. Uh, like, I just really want to hold on to Limblom and, like, you're ours, and you're going to be right. Everything's going to work out. Like, I, I, personally, that's what I want with Limblom. Um, Farabee, cool, yeah. Maybe you can get something for him, but I'd like to see him stay. But no one's untouchable. Yeah. No one, no one, absolutely no one is untouchable. There's no one that I think about that I would be like, oh, man. And that leads me to the uh, the next two guys I want to talk about in tandem. Um, the only NHL defenseman in the lineup at this point, I guess, well, Risto's back, so he belongs in the NHL. He's not particularly good, but Sanheim and Provorov. Um, I am at the point, Ooh. I am at the point where one of them needs to go, and it is not the guy I wanted to get rid of a couple of months ago. Ivan Provorov has been, like, so bad like i don't even know what to think about it anymore here's my question with ivan Provorov. maybe i'm being a little dramatic but we are now <laughs> you in, dramatic no we are now in year six of ivan Provorov. how many of these years have been objectively good one two one. i was i would say two two and you could make the case for the, the rookie year because, like, he was dragging along Andrew McDonald. The, the rookie year, by circumstance and considering the spot he's in, all that. Yes. I'll, I'll count that as, like, half. And then year two, very year two good. Was, year two was year great. Year two was very and, good. And 2019, then, then, Yeah, good. the Niskanen year. The Niskanen year uh, was good. Yeah. That's it. Right? Two. So at least, yeah. at least 50%. He's now 25. Uh, yeah, he turned 25 January 17th. He's now 25, and 50% of his seasons have been bad to god-fucking-awful, which is where we are now. He is playing 25 minutes a night, and they're horrible minutes. It's, it's literally Ristolainen in Buffalo at this point. Like, we're using I don't think him it's as that number bad. one defenseman, and he's real bad. It's the not, last couple it, of games have been Okay, like, well, yeah, the last couple weeks have been bad. The, the numbers for Provorov are nowhere near as bad as the Ristolainen numbers in Buffalo. Like, not even close. And that's not saying Provorov's numbers are amazing, but, like, Risto's numbers were ghastly. Provorov's numbers are meh. Like, do they have to move on from Provorov? <laughs> no, they don't have to. That, now, they don't now, have to, but they have to reevaluate what they think he is. So here's my thing with Provorov. I think he's a good defenseman. I, don't, I wouldn't be, like, crushed if, if they decide he's just, like, yeah, he's part of the, the core, you know, or whatever. Like, he's not going anywhere. He's a piece on defense that's going to be here for a long time. It's fine. My thing with Provorov is that I get the sense from people around the league I talk to that other teams think he's better than he actually is. And that's why he's fascinating to me as a potential trade option because— if other teams think he's like 
a number one that the Flyers have just put into bad situations the last couple of years because they haven't gotten him a partner. If that's what if that's what his the generally accepted and obviously there's not going to be full consensus. People have different opinions, but if that's the generally accepted consensus around the league of what Ivan Provorov is, then you could get a haul for him that is probably it probably outweighs how good he actually is in reality. And those are the kind of guys that you have to seriously consider trading. You know, because look, like Fletcher made a lot of mistakes this offseason, but one guy who I do think that he did a good job with this on was Phil Myers. He evaluated Phil Myers and was like, okay, people around the league think Phil Myers is better than he actually is. So let's sell him now before everybody around the league realizes he ain't that good. I don't think Provorov is like as I wouldn't like Phil Myers is, you know, a third pair defenseman probably at this point, at least based on what we've seen in Nashville and everything and what he was saw last year. Provorov, you know, might be, you know, a two three who teams think is a one two. But if teams think he's a one two, maybe somebody's willing to offer like, you know, a forward in his mid twenties who's dynamic and they need one of those, like a first line caliber forward. And if that's the case, then yeah. I mean, I move Provorov in a second for that kind of return if that's uh, out there. Part of my thing is, like, I think Provorov is better than he's playing this year. I oh, think yeah, ultimately, I I I think ultimately he evens out as a decent enough second-pair defenseman. Uh, but I, I, I would put him a little higher than that, but I see why people why? think that. Yeah. yeah, why? Because every time he plays with an actually good partner, he's good. But that just means he's be, playing with an actually good could partner. Get him regularly, get him a good partner. But like, yeah, it's so a contact. Someone to drag him. Into yeah. Good. So in a contact not, sport, that means in a contact sport, that means if one guy gets hurt, you lose two. You're actually losing two guys every time one guy gets hurt. If Ivan Provorov has to be paired with the absolute best possible partner, well, like we lost both, the, we lost our whole top pair because Ryan Ellis got hurt. Ivan Provorov's playing 25 minutes a game and he's fucking horrible. That means he's not a top pair defenseman. That's not the absolute best. Like, look, like we we talk we talked up Shane Goss's pair the year he was paired with Provorov and they were real good. We talked up talked up Matt Niskan in the year that he was paired with Ivan Provorov and they were real good. The fact of the matter is, is that you know as Ghost later showed, and as Niskanen had showed the couple years before coming to Philly, like neither of them were amazing. They were good, but they were. It's not like like it's not like Ivan Provorov required you know a, to be next to Kale McCarr to be awesome like he required a good top four defenseman to look like a good top pair defenseman and while I agree that the fact that he can't carry a pair speaks to you know his weaknesses as a player absolutely true the Flyers shouldn't be in a position where they only have one good top four defenseman to pair with Ivan Provorov at a given time they should have three or four because you know what that's what good teams have I think he and Sanheim could eventually figure it out, but Maybe. they're not a top pair. Like I don't. Th- when I say top pair, I mean a group that you could win a lot of games and some playoff series with. I do not believe Ivan Provorov to be fifty percent of a pair like that. I think he's serviceable enough. I think you could get by, but I'm talking about building a championship team because it's been long enough. I don't see that in Ivan Provorov. I've said for over a year I think Provorov is a two. I can be convinced that he's a three, that ideally he's he anchors your second pair. But I, I don't have much time for that he's below that. No, I think he's a good second. I think ultimately 
He's a good enough second pair defenseman. That's, I mean, that's a three. He's decent. Three. But if you have someone who thinks he's a one that has just been trade done him. dirty by the Flyers over the last couple of years, then that's that's a good oh, guy to trade. I'm I'm very much willing to be wrong and Provorov reaches potential elsewhere because part of what I'm looking at is I just think you get way more for Provorov than Sanheim. Like, just look oh, at yeah, the minutes. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I like, totally, totally look at the that. minutes. He he plays 27 minutes. Oh, my God. We got to give up the farm for him. Like, absolutely see that happening. Uh, not we like, had to give up to get Risto, and he Yeah, sucks. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> who's, who's a four on his best possible day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I, and I like him, but he is what he is. Uh, Travis Sanheim, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking um, about who the Flyers' best defenseman this season is. And I said Justin Braun, because he's just steady as she goes. You can count on him to be what he is. He's fine. Um, Charlie brought up Travis Sanheim, and while Sanheim is having a better season, uh, I need him to score more. Like, that's just what I need out of Travis Sanheim. Well, in his last 14 games, he has nine points. I live with, I live with that all day with Travis Sanheim. That's what I need out of him. That's what he has to do to be effective. Like, I know he does other things. He's got to put points on the board. That's just part of what I expect out of him as a player. Now he is. I can live with it. Do you think this is more who Sanheim is, or is he just in a little hot streak? Uh, Like, all the pressure's off, nothing matters, so he can just do whatever. Like, is this... Can we expect Sanheim to play at this level? I mean, I've always thought this is what he is, so... Well, I mean, like... I guess it depends on what you're talking about when you say, can you expect him to play this level? Like, can we expect him to play on the whole at this level? Yeah, I wouldn't expect him to be scoring at whatever a nine points in 14 games paces. Like, I don't think he's a 50-point defenseman. I think if he continues to not have power play time, he's probably a 30 to 35-point-a-year defenseman who gives you good minutes on the second pair but is going to have the occasional defensive zone gaffe that makes you want to punch a wall. And that's 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 Travis Sanheim. That's he should fine. be getting power play time. And that's the, something I wanted to bring up. Last night, Keith Yandel got three minutes and nine seconds of power play time. The other defenseman had between, like, 20 and 30 seconds. Um, they And, like, the, the power play time was oddly distributed last night, so that could just be part of it. Like, the top pair got... Uh, the top unit all had, like, three minutes, and everyone else had, like, 40-some seconds. So whatever. But... Are they under the impression that, like, Keith Yandel's going to fetch them anything at the deadline? Because that is the only explanation for playing him at all. I realize you got to keep the streak going and they only have so many defensemen because fucking Nick Sealer and Kevin Connaughton are in the lineup half the time. But, like, they have to believe somebody's willing to give something up. Other, like, what is the point of playing him more than eight minutes a night? I just think it's in part just, like, well, if, if we're going to we if, if start him, I guess you have to use him on the power play. Like, that's yes, like all that's he's like moderately competent yeah. at. But like, he's like, if Yo wants to win, they have to have someone better. And if it's about development, there have to be better options. Well, I mean, they do have someone better. He's just in the minors. <laughs> yeah. Is he still hurt? What's going on? York, now nah, he's back. Why no, is I'm why fairly isn't sure he in the NHL? They're making him work on his defensive game. So oh, the good. York the York thing is so Keith is Yandel, who's there, never gone into a corner in his life. There's a little bit more going on with the York thing. Um, so number one, 
I do believe this is actually so. This is a little preview of the piece that uh, that I'll have coming out tomorrow. Ooh. I did I did well. In I did an interview Times. with with Brent Flair. I spent um, most of yesterday transcribing it, and nice. part one, which was on the forwards, was released today. Part two is on the defensemen and goalies. Um, that was that's going to be released tomorrow. So York is obviously going to be in that. And I straight up asked, like, basically explain why the heck he's not playing so one thing that he explained which is interesting and it actually kind of runs counter to some of the critiques that have been thrown the organization's way that we discussed um you know over the last couple weeks he basically said that look one of the things with york is that like look york is clearly an nhl defenseman like we he can hold his own in the nhl we saw it that's true but they were worried that he was starting to play a little safe in the NHL, kind of just trying to survive. And they want him to basically, they want him to be a point producer and they want him to play a more like offensively oriented game in the NHL. But right now, he just doesn't seem to have the confidence to do those sort of things in the NHL. So they want to send him down to the AHL where he could sort of build that back up and start taking more offensive risks so that when they bring him back up, he'll do that at the NHL. He has that sort of confidence. That's and their I do thought think- process with York. I do think players can get, like, they're brought up young, potentially too young, and he played in college, so it's not like a a Couturier situation, but, like, I feel like Couturier got pigeonholed into this thing, and it took him longer to break out offensively than necessary. I think Luke Shen played too young because he could do some things, and then it was like, well, they like me hitting, so I'm just gonna hit. It was like, well, you had a little more upside than that, but he just became what he became. So I don't necessarily hate this thinking. I just wish, like, he's an NHL defenseman. He's got to play in the NHL. I wish there was some other way, but I understand the thinking. Like, I'm not going to get mad at this exact situation, but it is a little frustrating that I have to watch Nick fucking Sealer. The thing that annoys me about it is that, like, like why was he paired with Keith Yandel? Hmm. Why, did, why mean, did we do that? Why did we do that? I wonder if that made him a little hesitant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we're talking. Oh, well, he's playing I have to safe. Cover well, everything. Yeah, <laughs> he's playing a little safe. No shit, he's got the fucking fire alarm next to him. Exactly. Like, oh my god. That, that to me is the big thing. The big issue I had with the the Cam York in the NHL thing was like, okay. You don't love the way he's playing. You don't love his usage. Like, you can change his usage. He doesn't have to be on the third pair playing his offside with Keith friggin' Yandel. You can put him with Travis Sanheim. You are the coaching staff. It's your organization. You can do that. Can there's we, not, there's, like, not, there's not a law saying that Rasmus Line always has to be with Travis Sanheim. Yeah, like, put you him with say, Ivan Provorov. Hey, let's give Cam York the good minutes rather than the bad minutes. Like, like put, just put him... Who cares? Just play him 25 minutes with Ivan Provorov. What's See the what difference? Happens. What's going to happen? They're going to lose? Who gives a shit? <laughs> Losing is good now. Oh, my. Like, they are, at this point, and we're going to get to some more of these player things, um, I think they can piece together even if they lose Giroux. And, like, I expect them at this point to get Johnny Goudreau. But uh, regardless, I think they can piece together a decent enough offense. Like, this blue line, what what is it going to be next year? They don't have three guys that I can count on. Yeah, it's, you know, especially if you trade one of Provorov for Sanheim. Yeah. Then, yeah, then you're in a really interesting spot, which I think that this is part of the reason why I do believe that, like, 
in the Giroux trade, they're kind of looking at like two of the guys who've been rumored in the Giroux trade. If it ends up going through with Colorado, that's where he ends up are Justin Barrett and Drew Hellison. And they are both right-handed shooting defensemen who are more on the like complementary to a puck mover, Cam York, Travis Sanheim type. Like they don't have a lot of those guys. Like Justin Braun's 35. He's probably going to get traded at the deadline. Yeah. I, I hope really for hope him it, he is. I really hope they don't re-sign Rasmus Ristolainen. They like, can't. They can't. But no, I mean they they can and they oh, might. They but I really hope they don't. They I can't. think I think that if he if they don't, it's beginning. It's going to be because he leaves. Yeah. Like it's not yeah. because I, it's not going to be I because the Flyers that. don't want him to. I just which like, is like infuriating. If this team, if this team was what we thought it was going to be at the beginning of the year, and Rasmus Ristolainen had shown us this, I'd be like, all right, fine. Yeah. It's going to be a dumb contract, but he's not going to get as much as he, you know, as the previous contract. I don't it's going to be. Too- I think he's going to. <laughs> there there have been no some way. pretty wild numbers being thrown around There's, here. For if that's the case, then they're fucked forever. Oh like, yeah, this team no, is no, never going to be any good. If they if they re-sign Ristolainen at the deadline, that is going to be like like for the entirety of Flyers Twitter. That is going to be the moment. Like that's the Andrew McDonald. Andrew moment. McDonald, yeah. That's I the Andrew. Like that, that is the moment yes. of like, all right, you know what? This organization is just it, it, they're dead to me because they would they they're going to have to sign to an Andrew McDonald contract to yep. keep them, probably with some inflation because the cap's gone up since. Yep. How could that be? Because he made he made as much as he did before, and NHL GMs think that he's guy. good because he's they- big. How can they possibly watch him and go, yes, that's where I want to spend that money? On a Hits. team dying, dying for top-end talent. They fucking said it. They said it on television in front of everyone. We don't have enough really good players. They're going to give a guy who hopes to be a second-pair defenseman $5 million? Yep. Uh, I mean... Uh, they can't. <laughs> they fucking can't. I think they're going to try real hard, and we just have to hope, like really, really hope, that Rasmus Ristolainen just wants to go to a winning team somewhere. I have a hunch, and this is just a hunch. This is not, this is not backed up by anything I've heard. They trade him and resign him? No, no, no. <laughs> like, we've talked a lot about the concept of collaboration, you know, about how, like, you know, the Flyers brain trust. You've got obviously got Fletcher and Flair, but you also have, like, the old guys. You know, you oh, got, God. like, you know, Paul Holmgren. You got Bob Clark. Like, they're, they're in the mix. You got Dean Lombardi. My hunch is that, those guys are the guys that yep. really like Ristolainen. And it's almost as well, though relying on a bunch of fucking old guys that played in the 70s is a bad strategy for building a hockey team. And not only did they play in the 70s, they've also uh, run teams since, and none of those not teams well. won a fucking thing. So Nothing. We, have, we must move on. Uh, we must move on. <laughs> I, I'm gonna blow a I'm fucking going gasket. To become the Joker. Okay, I'm well, gonna you blow know what? a gasket okay, talking will... about re-signing a player I like. Bill, <laughs> here, here's here's again, and this is a point I made on multiple shows. If you are rooting for the accidental tank signing Rasmus line into a above five million dollar cap it for multiple years, that will very much help the Flyers that's be too bad long. and but get here, lots of but high that's end the, talent in the that's the, tank. that's the thing is they'll be mediocre again. We will be in the exact textile situation. I don't we will know be, if they would just be mediocre. 
Because they'll go out and get Johnny Goudreau too, and do dumb shit. If to they've make allotted, them... if, if they've allotted six million of their cap to Rasmus Dalin, I don't know if they had the money to get Johnny Goudreau. Because they're gonna say goodbye to some good players like fucking Claude and then they'll Giroux. Be real bad. Yeah, they'll have Goudreau. Yeah, will be Giroux in this Bill. situation. Obviously, it's not as complex. It's not as as simple as this. But like. I ma I made this point in Buffalo with Ristolainen. I will make it here. Like, there's a reason why all of Rasmus Ristolainen's teams stink, and it's like it's partially because he's on them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like they're also run by fucking buffoons who think he's good. Yep. Yeah, it's like that's the here. problem. There's a correlation. They here. think him and other players like him are good, but they'll just <laughs> see big points totals and go get someone good, and that'll keep them like. We will be in the cap hell of the Ron Hextall era with a mediocre team if this is what goes on. They will not bottom out if they do this. No, they built this team, and it's bottomed out, so. Yeah, and all the good players <laughs> are hurt. Like, they'd be exactly mediocre with Hayes and Couturier and Ellis. We'll see. Speaking of guys they should re-sign, Jerry Mayhew, baby. It's Gerald season. I love it's, him. It's I'm the winner Absolutely Gerald season. He is by far the most fun player to watch on this team right now. And it's, I mean, that tells you exactly where this season is. But goddamn, I've been dying. Like, we're. Ju I'm just dying for someone to take advantage of this shit year. And, I, like, the opportunity provided to some of these players who wouldn't be here otherwise. And I wish it was, like, Morgan Frost taking the bull by the horns. But it ain't. It's fucking Jerry Mayhew, and because of that, I want him back. I love him. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate Gerald on the fourth line next season. That'd be Jerry, great. Zach, and you know Lazinski fourth line. Let's do it, baby. Nate Thompson. Oh, Who, by the way, oh, I totally yeah. forgot Nate Thompson was a thing until like two days ago. I was like, oh, oh god, did he hit he's someone up on the hockey team? Is he talking shit on Twitter again? <laughs> <laughs> he's talking shit on Alex. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't hate keeping jerry around he's great he's, he's so a nice fun. he's a nice piece like if he's your 12th 13th forward you could yeah. do a lot worse i don't know what jerry mayhew is i'm honestly just happy that like there's something mildly positive happening yes. with the flyers like yeah. i don't know what he is under he might just be jordan wheel he but like jordan hey wheel. it's cool did that, jordan like, wheel ever produce at this level <laughs> yeah he had that real good um he had that real good close Game? to one of the lost years remember i think it was like 2016 no. <laughs> 17 when he finished out and his like underlying numbers were ridiculous and he said he had like 12 points in 20 games or something and then the flyers signed him back and it was like hey jordan wheel he's exciting and then he kind of turned back into a pumpkin all right well accidental tank here we come uh is oscar limblom Turning back into Oscar Lindblom? Like, is it happening in front of us? I don't know if he's ever going to get back to exactly where he was. And that pre, was... Pre-diagnosis. But he certainly looks, again, like a useful middle sixer, and that's cool. And we've always said, like, especially the production of that season was like, oh, okay, no one saw that sort of production coming. His thing was always being in the right place and then not being able to finish, and suddenly he had 13 fucking goals before Christmas. So, like, you know, I don't know if he was ever going to do that healthy or otherwise again, but if he can just be a guy who wins battles and is a nice piece and gets you the goal every now and then, goddamn, that's a real... I know we need top-end talent, 
but they are also like lacking, you know, these good solid two-way players. The reason they're trying to turn everyone into one is because they don't have any. And <laughs> like maybe Limblom is one of these guys who's actually good at it. No, he's got what? He's got seven points in his last nine games. Um, the underlying numbers still aren't great, but at, at this point, like it's hard to tell how much of that is just how bad they were I mean, the first half of the year. They don't have NHL defensemen, so like yeah, how can like, they break yeah. out the puck? It's uh, but the thing too is like Limlom even you know when he when he first came up through the cancer diagnosis, like he drove play regardless of circumstance, and now like he's not, and I don't know. I I'm just I wonder if that's ever coming back. If he's ever going to get physically strong enough post surgery and cancer to be able to like be a fifty six percent expected goals guy on a good team, which I think is what he was before. Um. I don't know if he's going to get back there, but I, he, he's very clearly better. He's yeah. much better than he was last year. And you know, he's had a weird year, too, because I've heard a lot of people talk about how, you know, with Lindblom that, you know, he's finally figuring it out. I think he his trajectory this year is a little interesting because I actually thought at the start of the year he was playing well. He was just snake bit. And then he completely lost his he confidence. He went through a stretch and, in the middle. And yeah. then actually started playing awful. And now it seems like he's getting it back, except he's now also not snake bit. So, like, his confidence is back, and pucks are actually going in for him. And now it looks like he's fine again, which, like, cool. I mean, super happy that Oscar Lindblom is producing again. That's great. Is Isaac Ratcliffe—I mean, this guy, the last few He's years, another one. Isaac Ratcliffe, everything we heard in the AHL was like, ugh, yeesh. Um, now this could just, <laughs> this could just be, this could just be like early NHL rocket up the yeah. ass. You're feeling I'm up here. I'm going to go. And then you, you even out eventually. But I mean, he's, he's made some bad plays. He's taken a few penalties here and there, but overall Isaac Ratcliffe looks like an NHL player, which is not something I'd heard at any point during his stint in the AHL. Um, can we like. Are you penciling him in to compete for a fourth line role next year? Like, what is everyone seeing out of out of Isaac Ratcliffe? Because man, I'll tell you what I really loved. Um, he actually pulled off a wraparound the other night. Now it was an assist and not a goal, but on a team that tries wraparounds nonstop and they haven't worked since the Keith Primo overtime goal in two thousand four. <laughs> like, I was elated to see one actually go in. He's been fun. He's another one of the fun guys. I assume he'll be competing for a bottom six spot. I don't know where he'll end up, but I just can't get I can't get excited about the bottom six anymore. No, no, I can't. But what it to me he's more fun. he's been fun. more more so. It's like speaking to me about our development and how yes, the talent evaluation is the number one issue. But when a guy looks like he can't play in the AHL and then comes up and can play, like. I don't know. What are we doing down there? Like that's my biggest takeaway from Ratcliffe. Whether oh, he letting, sticks or whether he sticks or not. Yeah, like whether he sticks or not, whatever, but I'm seeing way more than I ever heard about him. Yeah. I, I don't I really think with Ratcliffe, the big thing for him, and this is the big thing, is that he just needs to use his size. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, he wasn't. And since coming up here, he kind of is. And you're seeing that, hey, like a Ratcliffe who realizes that he's six foot six and 225, like can be a pretty useful NHL player. It's just the, ma- the problem in the AHL for the longest time was that he was playing like he was five foot 10. 
doing a JVR. And and now he's not. And JVR is more, is a much more talented player than Isaac mm-hmm. Ratcliffe, so that's why he can get away with it. Maybe not this year, but for most of his career, he's able to get away with being, you know, a five foot ten. 180 pound guy in a six foot three, 100, 225 pound body. Um, Ratcliffe can't. He's not no. that good. Um, and now, so far, he's been using his size and he's been pretty productive. Now, what is he? I don't know. I mean, they used him on the first line last night. I don't think he was that great, but they, they tried it. They, they gave tried. it a shot, which, like, and, and Kelly, this goes back to the whole, like, they never try things. They did try that. They tried that. Now, it didn't work, so we're all going to be for- going to forget about it in a week, but they did try that. Yeah, but like, I, and I like that they did, to be honest. If you try funny. something and it doesn't work one game, like, have the courage of your convictions to try it a second game. Like, if you thought it was a good idea, okay. uh, stick okay. with it. Like, nothing works in one game. It's very rare. Like, uh, yeah, Sean Couturier and Claude Giroux together, that fucking worked. But we're talking about, like, the two best draft picks this organization has made in 20 years. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> of course Radcliffe, it works. So, Ratcliffe is interesting to me because I, like, I'm, I'm, I, I certainly am not giving up on him as a prospect, obviously, because he's played in the NHL and he's been pretty solid. So, that's number one. But, like, you do wonder if he is, there's a, there's a tinge of Scott Lawton to Isaac Ratcliffe hmm. in the sense of you draft a guy with skill. Because you think, okay, if he hits, he can be a top six forward. The offense doesn't really come around the way you want it to. So now you're like, all right, well, you can't score that much. So why don't you try to play like a bottom sixer? And if he can do that for long enough, maybe eventually the offense could come back around. Like if he's, if he can carve himself a nice career for the next year or two as like, a fourth liner with some skill who's big and physical, maybe you give him a couple more years in that role and suddenly it's like, oh, he remembers that, hey, I scored 50 goals in juniors. So, like, maybe that comes back. And in terms of, like, trying stuff, uh, if he's just a fourth line, like, that's who he is, a little bit more skilled than your average fourth liner, I don't know. He's, like, seven feet tall. Playing him in front of the fucking goalie on the power play and, like, Try to, foster, try to foster. Try to foster. Yeah, exactly. I just mean like when the games matter because they're playing yeah, exhibition yeah, yeah. games now. Like, <laughs> like foster some of that. So like, yes, your five on five role is you're the big guy on the fourth line. When we have a power play, fucking use your body to block out the sun. Like, yeah. <laughs> and one uh, of the good things too about about big guys like Ratcliffe. I mean, this is one of those underrated things we saw it with Phil Myers. If you're big and tall and you like can be a mildly competent NHL player you have value you're, you're always gonna have a lot of value around yeah. yep Rasmus just lining with for a first round pick <laughs> and more and a it wasn't player. just the like, first there was you don't other... even have to be good you just yeah. have to be not so bad that you're constantly benched and GMs are gonna <laughs> want you so bad what a league what, what a league, league. <laughs> I, like I've never seen a league where people don't believe their eyes. Like, everyone talks about the eye test, and then people still don't believe what they're seeing. Like, as much as, like, now, yeah, but he's, no, he isn't. Look at him. (laughs) He's good. How come he doesn't play good? (laughs) Like, (laughs) all right. uh, We talked enough about Frost, I think. Yeah, we went through that. James Van Riemsdyk, is he still on the team? 
God, I don't know. It's been so bad this God. year. So like, bad. And then I say this bad. is a JVR defender. He has like, been yeah. awful this no, year. No, I have I have nothing against JVR. I want him to score goals because like I'm tired of watching the team score one goal a game. But he fucking stinks. Real bad. And it came out of freaking there. nowhere because he was real good the first half of last season. Yeah. And then he tail he tailed off in the second half, but you're like, you know what? Whatever. Team was team got real bad the second half. You know, he's a streaky player anyway. Maybe that's all it was. And then this year, like, he's fallen off a cliff. And I get the sense that, like, I mean, let me put it this way. There is a real good chance he ain't a flyer next year. And I don't think they're ruling out the possibility of buying it out. Buyout would be, be a good idea. Buyout would be very interesting. Um, I gotta believe, even if you have to retain salary, there's someone who thinks he's still worth it. But you would think, right? But yeah. Who knows? I guess, like, if you have to retain half his salary, you'd end up paying, granted, over two years, but far less than that on a buyout. So yeah, I have to look at the buyout calculator. But like, I've I've heard some things that tell that lead me to believe that like. I don't know if JVR is on this team next year, even if be. no one, even if no one wants him in a he, trade. He can't like in terms that of just. That makes me feel good, actually. Yeah, about at least they recognize this. Yes, of course, yeah. he'll score thirty-seven goals next year, but <laughs> yeah, right? he won't be our problem anymore. Uh, and this, like, talking about JVR, he's been absolutely terrible. We talked at the beginning, like they're like they're trying, and they just can't close out games. Like they just cannot win. They just can't do what it takes at the end of a game to put it away. Man, it really isn't on the role players. Uh, I'm looking at JVR. Four goals in his last 21 games. That goes back to December 30th. He's got no goals in his last six. Two of those four came in one game, January 8th against the Sharks. And then you look at Cam Atkinson. Two goals in his last 15. They were both on January 29th against the Kings. Like... If they were to win a game, not that I'm, like, dying for them to win, but, like, some of these players are playing their asses off and they're, like, within a goal or have a lead in the third period. It would be nice if two of the three best forwards on the team showed up at all. Yeah, yeah. it's the, the top of the lineup is the problem right now. Yeah. With Cam, it's weird with Cam Atkinson. He might just be on a, in a slump. Yeah. But I have a hunch that he might be a little banged up oh, because— boy. He's gotten a couple maintenance Why days. Why wouldn't he be? Um, and like he, so he was real, real hot going into yeah. the All Star break. I mean, he was leading the team in points going into the All Star break. It was not Claude Drew; it was Cam Atkinson. We talked about it on the show. And since he's come back from the All Star break, he's not been effective much at, at all. all. And like you like barely I, I notice. Almost, I almost wonder if like he got banged up in one of those Detroit games, and now he's just kind of playing through it because like I mean everyone's hurt, yeah. so you kind of have to play. Left? <laughs> yeah, like you kind of got to play. Um, but he just, it, it's tough for me to know if he's hurt or if he's just slumping because he's a goal scorer and all goal scorers are streaky. But like, sure. yeah, since since the All Star break, Cam Atkinson has not been very noticeable whatsoever. They need to trade Martin Jones today <laughs> for really literally he anything. He was good last night. Exactly. And that's great. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Before he is bad again, <laughs> train him. Martin Jones in his first three games of this season, three. He had a 950 save percentage. We were like, oh my God, because I killed the I killed the signing. Like this was I thought this was the mistake of the offseason. Turned out there were plenty of things on that list. <laughs> and then 
And then the first three games, we're like, oh, shit, he's old Martin Jones. Perfect. We have a we have a backup who can step in if there's an injury, whatever. He'll, we can win on nights we don't play Carter Hart. Cool. Since those first three games, he's got an 888 save percentage. That includes last night in which he stopped 22 of 24 shots. Um, one good start is enough for me to be like, okay, see ya. Like, literally, a couple of weeks ago, they said Edmonton called up and offered a fifth. Call them back. <laughs> I think they can probably do better than that, but, you know. Really? He stinks. I know, maybe. I know but he's a competent is he? backup. Is I, he? I don't know. If you're, like, I don't know. If you're, you know, the Blues, and you think you're going to make a long playoff run, maybe you want, you know, something better. Billy Huso's been awesome for them. I know, but Jordan Bennington sucks. I'm well, talking about replacing him. I hate him. Well, I think Edmonton was the, is the big team. Yeah, they need, a they need a goalie big time. So, but I mean, is Martin Jones the guy they need? Probably not, but I guess he's available. So, <laughs> yeah. like, you can talk yourself into it. Yeah, they should trade Martin Jones. Maybe not immediately because, um, you know, there's an element of, like, how many games do you really want Carter Hart playing? None. Um, Kirill the well, Thrill and Felix Sandstrom, baby. Kirill the Let's Thrill. Let's go. Um, one thing that's interesting, I, I'm I, I'm starting to think that the Flyers legitimately may go with the um with the like just throw the rookies in next year as backup strategy. Yes. Because I, I, I will I mean, I based on what I talked to with Brent Flair, like they really do think that, that Fedotov is gonna come over. Really? You know, the Russian guy. That's yeah. because he should be the backup immediately. Yeah. They show they they Flair expressed real confidence to me that like that's what that's what he wants, and that's, he wants to come. That's over. how we're saying it, Fedotov. Yeah, well that well that's the way it works with Russian names where it's like generally speaking, you're supposed to put the accent the, on the second the syllable. The second syllable. Ah. I just I didn't know if it was Fedotov. No, I mean the, da, I, 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 saying it wrong. That's what I mean. Yeah, I believe I believe it's Fedotov, I believe is okay. how you're supposed to pronounce it. Um, I mean, really you're supposed to call call Ivan Provorov, but he basically just yeah. told us he was asked when he came up, like, Hey, how do you want us to pronounce your name? He's like, just call me Provorov. They all do that. They're like, I don't oh, fuck it. You're all American. <laughs> you can barely speak your own language, let alone <laughs> like some other like, they and like he's been here since he was 16 it's not like he came over from the k or something like provorov's been around forever you know he played in fucking pennsylvania yeah. so he's been used to people sounding like me uh i'm gonna start calling speak. him provorov just to be like an insufferable <laughs> know-it-all who else yes. did it who wasn't there somebody <laughs> well the one that the one that threw me was um the the Capitals goalie Ilya Samsonov because mm -hmm. not because yeah. like I have a problem with it but it's just funny because like I grew up my entire life calling Sergey Samsonov Sergey Samsonov mm -hmm. and now you have the same name and I have to like teach myself how to pronounce it the right way. Remember when Grossman threw that extra n in the extra n for yeah, Grossman? And, like he'd the been Grossman. in the he'd been he in the like, league. Oh, by for, the way, guys, yeah, he'd been in the league for like eight years and he's like, yeah, my name's been spelled wrong this whole time. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> The, oh, the name Nick. on his jersey was spelled yep. wrong his whole career. Yeah. Um. Uh, do we have anything else? Um. I don't know. Is there anybody else we we had to complain about? Martin Jones we complained about, but we also want him traded. Yeah. Um, immediately. JVR we complained about. Frost mm -hmm. we complained about. Um. Broussard still hurt. Uh. So Is yeah, Ryan Ellis alive? Do we, yeah. He was in a video. We I saw him in the life, press life box video, a couple yeah. weeks ago. I did see him. He, he he was he was seen in the press box a couple weeks ago. He had all um, his he limbs. He was in that Yandel video. He yeah, did, he looks, did he you looks count like ten a relatively fingers? healthy like, human being. Yeah. I just... I, I will just put this out there, and granted, this is with missing, say he misses all of the rest of this season. 
Feels like a pretty safe bet. Yeah. Yeah. Ellis will um have missed thirty seven percent of his team's team's games over the last six seasons, and that is with playing a full eighty two. So yes, he did have a year in which he missed you know seventy eight out of eighty two or whatever, but. He's also got an 82 out of 82 in there, which is by far the fucking anomaly. So <laughs> he's missed almost 40% of his team's games over the last six seasons. What are they going to do on defense? We'll find out. Um, real quick, who do you think the Hart Trophy winner is this year? Um, I have done very little research about that, to be totally honest Seems with you. It's wide yeah, open, is, doesn't it? I mean, it I'm does. a voter, I so I probably so. should start. I don't have the time because, mm-hmm. I mean, this team is like, uh. Well, actually, I, to be honest, I don't know if I'm going to be, if I'll be a voter. Like, that's something that's given out. But ever since I've joined the PHWA, I've been a voter each year. You should get I, to vote on everything, in my I opinion. keep up with my dues. I sign, I do the stuff. So, like, I probably will be a voter, but I don't want to be presumptuous. There's a chance that I'm not. Who knows? Um, I don't know. Who's, uh, who's leading the league in scoring? Isn't that usually who yes, gets that, it? That's the nine, <laughs> nine of 16 since the lockout have been Art Ross trophy winners. Uh, yeah, I it's think, usually that easy. Yeah, I think... I think it's Huberdo, as long as McDavid and Dreisaitl don't go nuts, because Huberdo might right, get it. I Huberdo's mean, right there. Yeah, and I mean, like the it, Oilers well, stink. Yeah, so. I mean Huberdo could get it because Florida's gonna gonna finish with probably over 110 points, and then you'll have McDavid and Dreisaitl split the vote. So yeah, I could totally see. That's, I saw someone it. on Twitter suggest that Shesterkin should get it. I mean, fair. Shesterkin, he's, he's the main reason why the possibly yeah. the only reason why the Rangers are good. I so, see. Yeah, an, I, I could get behind that. There's an interesting scenario in my mind. It's not going to play out in which Shesterkin is the MVP, but not the Vezina. Because oh, that's interesting. Well, like uh, he's got like 30 starts, and there's goalies with like 45 at this point. Like his workload, he's missed some time. I think he is like the Rangers MVP, but I just think there's like. Some other goalies having tremendous fucking seasons like Jacob Markstrom, who do play every night. Uh, so uh, it's not going to happen that way. I just think it's it's an interesting storyline to follow. Uh, but Huberdeau for MVP, if you want to get a uh, if you want to get a bet in, he's like plus seven hundred still, and he's right there in scoring with Drysdale and McDavid, and he plays for a much better team. Uh, yeah. So that's it. Yeah. All right, are we done? Probably. Yeah, I all think right. so. And that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button, search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom, content, content, content. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot. So leave us a five-star review because you're really going to enjoy it. The guarantee is that you will enjoy listening to the broadcast, the Broad Street Hockey radio feed better than you will enjoy watching the Philadelphia Flyers. This is a money-back guarantee from us here at Broad Street Hockey. So that's it. Uh, My name is Bill Matz for Charlie, for Kelly. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk?